Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Well, here we are again, friends and neighbors. It is a Friday afternoon here in the studio. We are off to adventures, historical and contemporary. Uh, And this weekend, we may be tapping the Admiral, uh, sampling a bit of Nelson's blood. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do that like immediately after we record this. Uh, (laughs) And I don't mean uh, getting vampiric. Right. Up in the pub. Right. This is this is a little bit different. Yeah, tapping the admiral is not poking uh, a military <laughs> official. Right, right. It's also known, it's a phrase from the Royal Navy. It's also uh, called bleeding the monkey or sucking the monkey, which I think are both kind of weird. Uh, yeah, I did not come across those. Ben, which oh, is your name. And your Noel. This is true. And we're joined with our super producer, Casey Pegram. Casey and I have uh, had a a very, very, very scant amount of sleep. So if there are any inaccuracies or uh, weirdness in today's episode, that's on me. And Noel, thank you in advance. I hope your back doesn't hurt after carrying us through this one. Ben, you know I love it when you're a little punchy, whether it be from emerging from crazy jet lag or, dare I say, still in the throes of it or being a little sleep deprived. I always find you a fun and punchy character. Thanks, man. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. And likewise, of course, uh, tapping the admiral, it, what, what does that mean? What's that refer to? It is when you drink uh, liquor or any kind of uh, fermented beverage directly from the cask using a straw. Yes, that's it. And that's also what, they, uh, what they're referring to when the Roy- members of the Royal Navy say bleeding the monkey or sucking the monkey, which still seems woefully inadequate in comparison to tapping the admiral. That sounds classy. Even though drinking straight-up liquor 
from a barrel through a straw is maybe not the classiest thing. It seems, dare we say, slightly barbaric. Mm -hmm. But that's life at sea, you know? Oh, my goodness. Boy, will you uh, get get a load of some some life at sea, some harrowing life at sea in this particular story. So um, why don't we start from the beginning? Yes. The be- introduce our main character, yes. the admiral in question. Yes, there is a specific admiral uh, to whom the British Royal Navy is referring, and that's Admiral Horatio Nelson. And Admiral Horatio Nelson is a pretty larger-than-life figure, right? Yeah, uh, larger-than-life legacy-wise, but as in, in terms of his stature, I think he was under six feet tall. Yes, yes, he was not. He was not MBA uh, status, right? Uh, he eventually became the first Viscount Nelson and the first Duke of Bronte. He was born on the 29th of September in 1758 in Norfolk, England. He was the sixth of 11 children. See, I I feel like that matters. I really do. Some of the greatest men and women in history have been part of big families because they have to figure out how to, like, scrap and, uh, you know, carry their own weight, you know, Mm -hmm. among all of the competition. Mm-hmm. Whether they're vying for their parents' affection or just like learning how to do stuff. Right, right. Or they're in some cases fighting for food, which was not Nelson's situation as far as we know. No, we don't think so either. Um, at, at the age of 20, by the age of 20, he already had command of his own ship, which was the Albemarle. Um, and he became a very important figure um, during the outbreak of the French Revolution. In 1792. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's absolutely true. Now, this guy had been, this guy hit the high seas by the age of 12. That's right. That's so by right. the age of 20, he th- this was not his first maritime rodeo. No, you're right. But still, by t- but at 20, that's a pretty big responsibility. Yeah, uh, sure. Like you said, he joined the Merchant Marines, mm-hmm. um, and that was during the uh, the fight against the Americans during the, uh, the War of Independence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he... He even took part in a um, failed scientific expedition to the Arctic. He was living life, you know. But you're bringing us toward a pivotal point in his life because it was during his 20s, during these French Revolutionary Wars, that he began to exhibit a tactical talent, a knack for uh, command. He was considered remarkable and a genius. And in 1797... On Valentine's Day, which was yesterday, right? <laughs> he uh, he had his huge crowning achievement at the Battle of Saint Vincent. How did that go down? Yeah, he really uh, exhibited some ability to think outside the box militarily when he decided that he would break line with the actual commander of the British fleet, which sounds to me a little bit like disobeying orders, right? Insubordination. Mm-hmm. And apparently, if they would have lost this particular battle, he would have gotten his wrist slapped or, you know, dare I say, been put in the stockades. He would have been booted out. He would have been court-martialed. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But instead— it proved to be his crowning achievement, like you said, or at least one of his early claims to fame. Um, so what ended up happening was he, he saved the British from defeat um, at the hands of the Spanish, who had them licked in terms of number, in terms of sheer volume mm-hmm. of, of troops. Would you call them troops when they're at sea? They're not really troops at sea, are they? They're more they're sailors, I guess. They're the enemy. They're the enemy. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. It's true. It's also weird how whenever you hear an historical account 
that refers to a group of actual human beings is just the French or the Spanish. It sounds like they're way more uh, insidious than they actually are. It's true. So instead of that court-martial that he was uh, just Ooh. cruising for, he got knighted. Yes, he did. He did. And he continued on this upward trajectory career-wise. He did not have a perfect record, and he did not escape unscathed. He was wounded in July of 1797. In a grisly turn. Yes, yes. Uh, The way that you'll hear it phrased, uh, for instance, in a great article we read on historycollection.co by Alexander Meddings, a whiff of grape shot shredded his arm. Shredded. And most of what was left of it had to be amputated to prevent infection from spreading. And grape shot, for anyone who doesn't – did we talk about what this is before? I think we did. I mean it's sort of the equivalent of like buckshot, but it's like steel balls like that, that spread out and just literally rip into everything, eviscerate flesh and bone, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a number of small iron balls that fire all together at once. And you'd shoot that from a cannon, not like a musket or something, right? right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And when they're assembled, they look like a cluster of grapes. Very, very nasty ammunition. So get this. This is – I think this is cool. After he had his right arm cut off, he kept issuing commands while he was on the surgery bed. And and keep in mind, in the late 1700s, surgery is very, very dangerous. Yeah, and another important player in this this story is, in fact, his surgeon, who will come into the picture when we get into the kind of the main uh, focus of the story. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like you said, he had the arm amputated. He survived, which was incredibly rare in any kind of amputation. And he got into stand-up, pretty much. As a result of this. Yeah, he made some good banter uh, on the on the surgery bed and also uh, had a nice little pet name for what was left of his, of his arm. Yes, he called it his fin. And it's adorable. It's weird. It's definitely military humor. And it's also nautical humor. <laughs> and it's also nautical humor. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that if he had not pursued uh, military fame, you know, maybe he could have gotten into the stand-up circuit. Yeah, you know, got got a little bit of a running start into that field because um, I don't think it really picked up steam until like the, you know, the Catskills kind of era, right? Well, there were jesters. That's true. That's true. But uh, this is— He was doing more bits, though. He was doing yeah. like one-liners, right? Yeah, this is way before vaudeville. And if you would like to learn more about vaudeville and you haven't checked it out yet, uh, do listen to our two-part episode on the history of stand-up with our pal Wayne Fetterman. Yeah, and please don't hold it against us that for the first whole half of the first episode, my mic is not on. It saved it. It got saved. It did get saved. It's just it's not our it isn't it's not our best it's audio. It's not work. representative. No, it's definitely not. But it's such a good episode that we had to push it out there. I really yeah. recommend you giving that one a listen. So, despite the sad, tragic misstep of not going immediately into comedy, Nelson did try to make something of his life. Uh, he in 1798, just a year later, he held the rank of rear admiral. He scuppered Napoleon's navy. I'm sorry, scuppered? He scuppered, which is is um, deliberately sinking a ship, kind of like scuttling. But isn't scuttling where you deliberately sink your own ship? Is there a differentiation? I know there's a lot of very specific, like foundering or to founder is when a ship is filling with water and mm-hmm. sinking. So he scuppered. They foundered. He scuppered, they foundered, and ultimately the ships were scuttled. That's right. Yes, we got there. <laughs> and... Oh, my gosh. Oh, if you're in the Navy, please feel free to write to us about this. We we want to learn. But these are great words. They really are. 
tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. The big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. So this victory of his stranded the French in Egypt. This was the first step in establishing the British Empire's dominance of the seas. And this also made Nelson, by the way, uh, a friggin' hero. He was straight seahorse teeth as far as the rest of the country was concerned. Yeah, because, I mean, he put himself in harm's way. He was there, like out there, putting himself in harm's way with the troops side by side, not like commanding from some bunker or something like that. Like he was right there and then he survived. So, like I said, because of the the fact that you typically would die in agony from some horrible infection, this probably instilled people with this sense of him as being some kind of indestructible Superman. I'm just editorializing here a bit, but that's that's what it seems like to me. Sure, man. Yeah, he was the Muhammad Ali of the seas. You know what I mean? People thought that he could do no wrong. Uh, people thought he was a national hero, and he pretty much was. So let's fast forward through his career, and let's go to the Battle of Trafalgar on October 21st, 1805. And this is when things take a turn for the worse. Yeah, because you can't outrun the Reaper forever, especially when you're like in a live fire zone with terrifying stuff like grape shot flying everywhere. Um, so the Battle of Trafalgar was between uh, the French and the Spanish. And when I say between, I mean the English were like between them. They were in the mix there, right? And it was a huge naval victory for the British because it completely, if, if they owned the seas before, they had complete dominance and obliterated Napoleon's uh, desire and any future hope that he had of controlling these waterways, the English Channel, right? And there was going, there, will, there would be no Napoleonic invasion of Britain after the Battle of Trafalgar. Right, right. And the Spanish are still in the mix. As we said, they outnumber the British with 33 ships uh, to Britain's 27. But Nelson was going to use his tactical prowess to outsmart the Spanish, essentially. So 
instead of putting his ships in a line, just making them all sail together in a line, he ordered them to form two perpendicular columns that cut through the enemy's line because they had just a straight line at two crucial points in the center. And here's where he got – he started styling on it, as we would say in the early 2000s. Wait, quick slang check. Casey, do you remember when people would say styling on it? Absolutely. Was that in the early 2000s? Yeah, maybe even earlier. It's, I don't know, that one seems like it's been around for a long time. No sense of time. Okay. Yeah, I don't either. It it could be from, you know, six months ago. I have no idea. Maybe it was from uh, the early 1800s. Maybe he said, I'm going to style on them. I'm just thinking of the subtitle from Barry Lyndon. Um, By what means Redmond Barry acquired the style and title of Barry Lyndon. So he was styling. And that was all the way back in like the 18th century. So <laughs> that reminds me of people being able to be styled as something like uh, His Royal Highness and so on. So maybe there is a precedent to that. Oh, Casey on the case. Indeed. Indeed. So this is what he does that we could count as styling on, on people. Uh, he's on the deck, Nelson is on the deck of the ship. And he does not remove his insignia, his indicators of office. And when you don't remove your indicators of office and you're standing on a ship deck. It's like you got a big old target painted on your back, a a metal-shaped target or an array of tiny metal-shaped targets. That if you were a sharpshooter on one of the enemy ships, that's who you would shoot for. Because it's like, you know, it would would drive the troops into disarray and chaos. It would create chaos, right? Mm Because that's the person who's calling the plays. You put an end to that dude and then everyone else just kind of goes running and they don't know what to do. There's no uh, order. So it's ballsy. It's chutzpah. It's like, hey, come at me. The Spanish. <laughs> right. It's That's exactly right. Uh, so he knew this was a possibility, but he stayed on deck with a guy named Captain Hardy, and he was, he was trying to instill bravery in his men. He was yelling at them, you know, don't worry about all the blood around you. Fight. Fight with me. Fight for Britain. And around 1 p.m. in that afternoon— The battle started around noon. Around 1 p.m. that afternoon, this Captain Hardy guy looks around and he sees that Admiral Nelson has indeed been fired upon. A musket ball has passed through his shoulder and lodged in his spine. And this is when the Admiral gasped and famously says, They have finally succeeded. I am dead. I am dead. I am dead. I am dead before being carried below decks back to the surgeon's quarters. Yeah, and the surgeon was a brilliant man, as discussed before, by the name of William Beatty, who um, they had him ferried below deck uh, and realized that all hope was was pretty much lost. He, I don't know, was he, did he die? Was he dead on arrival when they, when they found him, when he got to him, or do you think he died a little bit below deck? Uh, he died a little bit below deck, his last words being, thank God I have done my duty to God and my country. What a guy. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, so he died, you know, with no regrets regarding his actions because he he felt that, from what we can surmise, he felt that the same rules 
that he applied to the people under his command applied to him as well. Yeah. So if I'm going to send you to die, then I'm dancing with the Reaper myself. And that's so rare. Like if we think about, we're talking, get, get back to, to uh, Kubrick, you know, what Casey was talking about, the movie Paths of Glory is all about these commanders making these life or death choices from their posh, you know, villas and with no real sense of what's going on on the ground. So in these days, um, when was that, Casey? When was it was Paths of That's Glory? That's World War One. That's World War One. Yeah, so. and they're making the decisions basically to give themselves, you know, earn earn rank in the military. Earn rank. Yeah, and that's I don't know. Like I'm not not to throw any military leaders under the bus. That's that's certainly not how all of them are. But that's sometimes the uh, impression that I get of some of the high level commanders. And this guy was not that way at all. He was right there in the trenches with his men, and he literally took one for the team. Mm-hmm. He did indeed. And so there ends the life of Horatio Nelson, first Viscount Nelson. He dies on the 21st of October, 1805, aged 47 at the Battle of Trafalgar. And really, not to be all bait and switchy, this is where the ridiculous part of today's episode begins because the late Admiral's men, who, by the way, adored this guy, were trying to figure out how they could take him back to Britain for the burial that they felt he deserved. You got to remember, I mean, they were far from home, and uh, sea travel is not quick. I mean, it was, they were like a two-month's journey or something like that mm-hmm. back, to, back to Britain? Yeah, two-month's journey away. Uh, the fleet was almost crippled because of the damage they had taken during the conflict. And then that's when this surgeon, Irish Will— William Beatty, uh, that's when he has his own light bulb moment. He really does. Um, one thing they do have that acts as a, as a damn fine preservative is alcohol. What they had were some barrels of brandy. And so Beatty had the idea that they could stick this diminutive man, um, who was thankfully not a very, very tall man, they were able to shove him into this barrel of brandy and they added a few extra uh, things to maybe make him smell nice, I guess, like camphor and what else, Ben? Myrrh. Myrrh. You know, like uh, frankincense. Of course, of course. Uh, And then they sealed him up in there to prepare for the long journey home. (laughs) Yep. And it was a slow crawl because of the terrible shape of the ships and it wasn't a perfect solution. This, This surgeon had a brilliant, innovative solution, but it was not perfect because as the body decayed over the course of the two-month voyage, he caused a buildup of pressure within the vat. And then from like gases and stuff being emitted from the body. mm -hmm, Corpse farts, yeah. That's right. And it caused the lid of the barrel to pop. Uh, That scared the hell out of some people. (laughs) In one case, there's a report that a sailor who was sitting near the barrel, thought that yeah, the, Nelson had risen. Yeah, surely stinking drunk. <laughs> right, right, A right. stinking drunk zombie admiral walking the decks of, uh, of this ramshackled ship. That's, that's a pretty, pretty spooky image right there. Yeah. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. 
So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins. Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. And here's where we find a strange legend about this journey. So they do eventually reach Gibraltar, right? And the surgeon says, okay, we're going to transfer this guy to an actual coffin. After this point, rumors started circling. Scuttlebutt, hearsay. And the rumors said that the sailors aboard his ship, the HMS Victory, had been drinking from this barrel of Brandy. Wait, tapping the Admiral? Yes, literally tapping the Admiral, putting little straws in the cask and uh, just taking a little nip um, for the entire length of the journey. And this meant that, again, according to the rumors, that by the time they arrived at Gibraltar, they had drank the entire barrel of brandy. Now, Ben, surely that would have caused some upset stomachs. Right? One would imagine. I mean, that just does not seem very sanitary at all. Well, you have to wonder, there are so many um, th- there are so many different spirits that are distilled with uh, other dead bodies in them, like uh, spirits with snakes in the bottle or That's true. rats. That's true. Or mice, I guess. Um, tequila worms. Well— I think oh, a worm is less egregious. I think that's true. <laughs> but I think that's true. I don't, I, you know, we're, we're not uh, brilliant Irish surgeons yet, so we can't speak to the uh, safety of drinking um, corpse brandy. But we can say that's a, it's a weird flex. I would call that a weird flex. Big time. So what, what happens next? Well, they, they, they get his body back. Um, reports circulate in the British press uh, that Admiral Nelson has died. Um, and it, it is a national tragedy because, yeah, not only did his men love him, he was, like you said, a, a national hero, war hero, and just, you know, considered to be the bravest of the brave. And many tears were shed, including uh, the tears of the reigning monarch at the time. Yeah. And just like we had discussed in an earlier episode with Christopher Hasiotis about George Washington, almost immediately after news of Nelson's death is official, people begin building his legend. You know what I mean? Because of the way his body was initially transported, his legend uh, spreads into the world of drinking culture. 
Navy rum becomes known as Nelson's blood, even though they were they put him in brandy. And did you see that was a that was one of the differences too? That was like a significant difference. I did. So once uh, the victory actually gets back to Britain, as I said earlier, the news of uh, Horatio's demise um, was pretty much out there. And uh, one of the first ships to get there was called the HMS Pickle, which is which is really adorable. Uh, it's an adorable uh, it's an adorable name for for a ship. Uh, I, I like it very much. So yeah, then George the Third, um, you know, in the throes of uh, of sadness, um, was quoted in saying that they had lost more than they had gained. Um, and and by the way, on that ship, uh, I think they had. Uh, 102 casualties the British did overall at Trafalgar, and then 96 people survived. Back to William Beatty's credit, he amputated uh, the arms or the limbs of 11 men, and nine of them survived. So his acumen as a surgeon was unimpeachable. Which is, by the way, that is a fantastic ratio for this time. Almost unbelievably so. Uh, Yeah, it's it's true. Uh, the (laughs) The pickle reached Britain before... Nelson's pickled body did. Uh, I do want to point out for any popular musicians in the audience today uh, that the pickle's name was originally the HMS Sting. So if you are a musician who happens to go by the name Sting and you're, you're listening to our show and you're thinking, what's my new brand name? You know, what's my new change? Pickle. Pickle. Not just, pickles. No, just pickle. Just pickles. That's really cute. <laughs> I'm into that. That's a great rock star name because it's bold, because it's so cute sounding. And you get the flavor. It, yeah. it promotes synesthesia yeah. when you say it. You know, it's funny. Um, what happens if you have a cut on your finger and you spill pickle juice on it? What does it do? It stings. It stings. They're connected. Oh, man. All the pieces are coming together. That's a really good point. So... So there was a little bit of um, a tangent there, but it's advice to you if you're listening, Sting. And as you said, Noel, George III is beside himself. He is lachrymose. And when the body finally arrives, William Beatty, the faithful surgeon, performs an autopsy, takes that musket ball out of the guy's body. He's been transferred to a second lead-lined coffin and then he's finally moved to a wooden casket. And on January 9th, 1806, at St. Paul's Cathedral in London, his funeral is held. And, uh, fun fact, the uh, musket ball in question is actually mounted in like a hinged locket kind of situation with a piece of uh, golden rope um, that I believe was from one of uh, Admiral Nelson's uniforms, but I'm not quite sure if, if I see that here. And it's part of the Royal Collection Trust. So I'm not sure. I'm not seeing if you can actually get a look at it or if it's in any kind of museum, but it definitely exists. Um, but, yeah, our crestfallen monarch, mm-hmm. um, you know, says we will spare no expense for the funeral of this great man. Right. Boy George Three makes the call, and this funeral ends up costing around, in modern terms, 1.2 million U.S. dollars. But they would say that's money well spent. And now we have a little bit of liquor science here. We talked about Navy rum, which had its own reputation, but then we also mentioned that Nelson's body was kept in brandy and ethanol 
technically, which at the time was called Spirit of Wine. That all goes down to the surgeon, William, because Irish Will, I've just decided to call him Irish Will. I know a guy that I call Irish Will. He is Irish, by the way. And he's, he's fine with the name. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Um, I'm, I'm okay with this uh, nickname. Okay, great. So Irish Will, the surgeon, he knows that if he wants the body to have the best chance of surviving this grueling two-month journey, he should try to use the liquor on board that has the strongest alcohol proof, the highest alcohol content, right? But if that didn't work, it was politically safer for him to use Navy rum because, get this, folks, at this time, it was commonly known, not just by members of the Navy, but by members of the regular public, that the best way to preserve a body at sea was in Navy rum. They didn't use Navy rum, though, right? No, they used brandy. Ah, okay. But so they, 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 they not have any? They had both. But he figured that uh, the higher alcohol content one would do the job better. Yeah, the brandy and ethanol. Um, and also, imagine, we have to empathize with him a little bit, uh, imagine what a huge responsibility it is if that guy's body had been lost at sea or if he, as the surgeon had done something that was seen as uh, disrespectful or if he had been seen as kind of dropping the ball on this. Got it. It, it would have been very, very bad for his reputation and his career. So he was, he was motivated to do his level best. And people asked him at times, why didn't you use rum instead of brandy? And, and numerous reports of the time said that he did use rum because, of course, he did. Everyone assumed, you know, that's what you use. And that's how Navy rum came to be called Nelson's Blood. That's how people came to call drinking liquor from a cask, tapping the Admiral. Oh, and I guess for a side note, we do have a quote where uh, Beatty in, what, 1807 finally gets sick of everybody needling him about this brandy versus rum thing. A very general but erroneous opinion was found to prevail on the victory's arrival in England that rum preserves the dead body from decay much longer and more perfectly than any other spirit and ought therefore to have been used. But the fact is quite the reverse, for there are several kinds of spirit much better for that purpose than rum, and as their appropriateness in this respect arises from their degree and strength on which alone their antiseptic quality depends, brandy is superior Spirit of wine, however, is certainly by far the best when it can be procured. And that is a very well-read quote, kudos, Noel, uh, from Beatty's book, Authentic Narrative of the Death of Lord Nelson. Just ended up being like his claim to fame. Anyway, he wrote a whole book about it. He, yeah. you know, this was like something that he gained some notoriety for, for a good reason. I mean, he was Johnny on the spot with Pickle in the Body. He was so good at his job as a surgeon. I think he's the real star of the show here. Amputating limbs left and right. But ultimately, Beatty lost his fight for accuracy because people loved this rum idea so much that they just went with it. And that's why, despite uh, Nelson never being pickled in rum, people started calling this stuff Nelson's Blood. And that's why, to this day, there's still pubs across England called 
the Lord Nelson. That's right. I, I, I believe I've, I've heard of a few of those. Um, here's a little tidbit to um, end the show with. On January 17th in 2018, Sotheby's sold um, something called a grog chest, a very small um, velvet-lined plush chest that contained – it was like his liquor kit. Basically, it had glasses, flasks, and, um, you know, uh, containers that were used to hold grog, which would have been uh, a particular type of alcoholic beverage that uh, sailors are known for drinking. There's a lot of um, tiki drinks that are, ty- that are called grogs. Oh, man. And speaking of tiki drinks, speaking of grog in general, it might be time for the three of us to call it a day. Thank you so much for journeying with us uh, through the life and death of Lord Horatio Nelson. We also want to mention uh, uh, on an unrelated note, there's an excellent article in Smithsonian uh, called Lord Nelson, Hero and Cad? By Michael Ryan. We didn't have time for it today. Why was he a cat? He's a cat, man. There was a, in 2004, uh, people discovered letters that darkened his honor. You just going to cliffhang us with that, man? We've been building this guy up as some <laughs> kind of giant among men. And now all of a sudden, you're going to impeach his, his, his pristine <laughs> reputation posthumously? That's, hurt, that's hurtful, man. I'm tapping the admiral. That is hurtful, dude. All right, we'll have to, right, we'll have to leave the dark legacy of Admiral <laughs> Horatio Nelson for another day. He's just uh, not the best husband. That's fair. Well, okay. That's, you know, often great men aren't. That's true. That's, that's true. <laughs> not, not giving him a pass. But uh, this has been a fun one. Mm-hmm. Been um, interesting story for sure and uh i don't know you want to be pickled in brandy when you go Nah, man i'm, I'm a shot in the space kind of guy shot in the space seems very expensive ben i i'm really waiting for the price to break mm-hmm. so You're i've what? been yeah, okay. taking care of myself okay till that part that's fair uh so we want to say uh thanks to our super producer casey pegram thanks of course to gabe our research associate Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our theme. Uh, thanks to you, Benjamin Bolin, my sleepy, sleepy co-host and dear friend. I'm looking forward to tapping the Admiral with you uh, shortly. And thanks to you, Noljamin Brown. <laughs> I, uh, I uh, look forward to that as well. This ends today's episode, but not our show. Please tune in next time uh, when we explore the strange tale of Heavy Water, and Operation, well, Operation Freshman, but also Operation Gunrunner. That's right. What are we talking about? We'll tell you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io. Parityflex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.